Why would a fellow want a girl like her, a frail and fluffy beauty? Why can't a fellow ever once prefer a solid girl like me? She's a faulty little bubble with a flimsy kind of charm. And with very little trouble, I could break her little arm. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the final episode in our mini-series on Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. All month, Lisa Faye and I have been looking at the three versions of this story, and today we're finishing up with the 1965 version starring Leslie Ann Warren. Again, I don't have too much to say to introduce the episode. I grew up with the version from 1997, and I had no idea it was a remake, let alone the third version, so this was the first time I'd ever actually seen this. Oh, why would a fellow want a girl like her? A girl who's merely lovely. Why can't a fellow ever once prefer a girl who's merely me? My first impression of this one was, I feel like this version of Cinderella is what people think the Disney version is. Yes. She just seemed I don't, less agency than any other Cinderella I've seen so far. Yes, um, she was very much controlled by almost everybody in her environment. Um, I also thought that from the very first moment this opened up, the first scene, which was different, there it opened mm-hmm. in a different way, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I could very much see how this was something that the youth of that time absolutely attached themselves to, and is like, this is my Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Just... The, the opening scene, like the stage, it, the set is very bizarre, but colorful, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and just, yeah, I, I could very much see how this would be something that people would be like, oh, yeah, I watched this all the time when I was a kid or something like it. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. And she's very in Leslie and Warren. This was this her first role. I mean, they are like introducing Leslie and Warren as Cinderella. I think it might have been if it wasn't, it was one of her very first. Okay, because she's very, I mean, her whole look, really wide-eyed, like big-eyed, and like just very, very, you know, quiet, but, you know, docile, that sort of thing. I mean, it fits to a T. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Okay, sorry. That's, I just, as soon as I saw I was like, okay, I get why there'd be people that were very, very um, attached and like, this one is mine. Like, you know, the way some people are with the Brandy version. Mm-hmm. I could see how that this would be the one for them. It looks like this was her third role. Oh, okay. And her first role was uncredited, and her second role was in one episode of a TV series. Gotcha. So it was basically her first role. Yes. Of course, I know her the most from Clue. <laughs> oh, okay. I, um, if I've seen Clue, it's not been for years, so I don't really remember it. But I know what you're talking about. Yes. I need to watch that one. I've heard it's hilarious. I know her the most from Clue and randomly enough from Pure Country, <laughs> the George Strait movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've heard of that one. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like you said, this starts with a completely new sequence where the prince is coming back from travels apparently slaying dragons which we never (laughs) see like they talk about it like that's obviously what he's doing but i don't know if that's actually what he was doing and he seems to talk about the kind of tongue-in-cheek about the dragons so i don't know exactly what was going on there but he was traveling right and he's coming back from a long vacation yeah because in other versions he's off studying and so he's coming home from studying somewhere so i always 
thought like, well, not always, but I thought that was the same thing here. They just don't say it. And so when, you know, he's kind of traveling along and he ends up meeting Leslie and Warren and she's like, oh, well, I heard, you know, I don't know how they end up talking about because she doesn't recognize him as the prince. And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, I heard he was off slaying dragons. And so I always figured that was just her fanciful imagination since she's cooped up you know enslaved Mm, in her own home (laughs) and that he just kind of takes it and runs with it and so later he's like don't you know i've been off slaying dragons (laughs) (laughs) okay that makes perfect sense yeah but yeah she doesn't recognize him she seems very naive in this version maybe it's just me but she almost seems kind of like an idiot Uh, that sounds mean but like she I don't know. There was just something about the way this interaction where she just seemed, I don't know. It just seemed kind of off. And it's probably just because I've seen so many other versions where she does have a little bit more agency. Yeah. And this one just did not. She's completely controlled by everyone else. Yes. She won't even come out of the house. So basically the prince is coming up with his entourage and they're tired. And he's like, look, there's a house. Let's, let's quote unquote, pull over. Cause they're on horses. They're not in cars. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like, let's see if we can get some water, take a met, like take a beat or whatever. And so she sees them coming, but she won't come out. Cause she's like, I'm forbidden to come out. <laughs> he's like, I just need some water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So then she comes out and they talk and it's a, it's a cute exchange. I mean, yes, she's very meek. She's very, like you said, naive. It's, I was waiting for it, honestly, throughout the movie for it to get irritating, but it, it, for me, it didn't. I really liked Leslie and Warren's portrayal, but. I, I guess that is true. Cause a lot of times if somebody is this naive, it does get irritating. And I didn't mm-hmm. feel that way with her. Like yeah. I wished for her to be a little bit more smart. Or <laughs> yes. Not, maybe not, maybe smart isn't the correct word, but like, I don't know. I, I wanted her to be, I guess, have a little bit more agency, like yes. do a little bit of things. Like even like with the whole thing about not wanting to go outside, like her step family isn't even there right. and she still won't do it because she's been told not to. Right. But even with that, I wasn't like annoyed with her about it. It was just like, I kind of wish she would just disobey them. <laughs> yes. I mean, she does. She does come out and she does talk yeah. to him and she does have an interaction with him. And he tells her, look, your stepmother doesn't even have to know about this. And she's like, hee hee, okay. <laughs> but then she tells her anyway later. Yeah, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, someone did show up. <laughs> yeah, after this, you get a new song, which apparently it's a song that was written for South Pacific, which is another Rodgers and Hammerstein musical called The Loneliness of Evening, but it was never used in that. So they just decided, well, we'll give it to this version because they they wanted to make this one a little bit longer than the other one. Mm-hmm. I think this one is like maybe 10 minutes longer than the Julie Andrews one. Yes. And this is one of the scenes that they added on to pad the runtime. Okay. That makes sense. It, I, I was like, I don't remember this from other versions, but... Yeah, no, this new to new to this version, and like, I don't know if it's in the stage shows anymore or not, but it was ma- yeah. it was put in for this one, and it wasn't. I don't think it was anything like this was in the yeah. Brandy version. Like, there's no scene like this, and I don't think this song was in there either. The thing that I liked about this was not something that was actually in the movie. It was just something that I thought of. Like, they leave Cinderella's house. 
but then he stops to sing this song and he's like by himself. So I'm just imagining all of his servants sitting off screen on their horses watching him sing to himself. Waiting for him (laughs) to finish up his little little musical because he's like, I'm so tired. I just need to get home. But first, let's stop and get some water and then let me sing this song about how lonely I am. And then we can be on our way. (laughs) Yeah, that cracked me up. Okay, but I am going to tell you this. Okay, so the... (laughs) The prince in this version, Stuart Dodson, what's his name? Uh, Stuart Damon. Okay. Yes. It took me forever to place him, but I finally realized, oh, he's Dr. Alan Quartermain from General Hospital. Now, I'm not a big soap opera person. I never have been except for like maybe like a one or two year span in college because I feel like it was a rite of passage for a lot of people in college. Anyways, doesn't matter. So I didn't really watch general hospital but i knew the character because it was a big character and he was on it forever in the same character forever i'm like oh my god that's him and i'm gonna tell you that once i placed it i was like yes but he is incredibly handsome and charming in this role and i was just like i could not take my eyes off him and so (laughs) that's probably why it's number two in the list instead of number three because i do like julie andrews better than leslie and warren but i was like this prince, yes, I <laughs> he's my favorite. Okay, yeah. Well, out of these two, because the, yeah, that, everybody that about true. the brandy version is is yes is superior. But yes, <laughs> yeah. I guess I probably like this prince better than the Julie Andrews one too. Yeah, that's John Cipher. Yeah, yeah. Which I only re- I've I've only ever like associated him with like seventies like hardcore movies, and so I'm like. And then, like, he was on Major Dad, <laughs> that TV show Major Dad. Anyways, doesn't matter. Just say it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, as soon as he rolled up on screen, I'm like, hello, who is this? And I'm like, look at this man. Very dashing. <laughs> and so I was just like entranced. And then I go to look at him up. I'm like, what else has he been? I'm like, oh my God, that's Dr. Alan Quartermain. Shut up. It was, <laughs> yeah, I had a whole moment about it. So that's probably why I'm so obsessed with this whole thing. Cause, <laughs> yes. <laughs> After he gets done singing to himself, they get back to town, and the town is the most obvious set. Yes. It it reminded me, there's a version of Alice Through the Looking Glass from the same time period, and it's like, I wonder if anybody who did those sets worked on both, because it just seemed too similar, just the colors and everything. I bet. Or maybe they reused parts. Maybe. I don't know. It just, there was something about the color palette that just reminded me of this one really terrible version of Emma's Through the Looking Glass. Yes. I mean, (laughs) it is hokey, the whole set, like from the moment it starts. But again, I can see being a young person Uh with all of the colors and all of the very distinct shapes, which I know that sounds bizarre, but everything is very specific like the trees are like cones there, there's there's <laughs> one thing that's so specific that <laughs> i cannot watch like i've watched this two or three times now i cannot watch it without noticing every single instance there is a fabric that is used in the clothes all over the place it's this furry white fabric with yes. these, like, black spikes they look like raisins it. they're everywhere in this yes movie. <laughs> like the prince has them cinderella has them the king and queen have them it's, yes. like little trimmings everywhere and i want to make a point about that later when she shows up at the ball in her outfit okay but we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's just little things about every design choice that 
really stand out. Once you notice them, you'll see them all over the place. Yes, I did. I I actually did notice that, and and I'll tell you my I tell you my first thought when it when I really when I realized it, and then I made some other realizations about the costuming. I was like, okay, this, but I'll get to that. In contrast with the other version, we don't get the prince is giving a ball at the beginning. That comes later. So he gets home and then you've got everybody greeting him. And then the step family gets home because they were in town to greet the prince when he comes home. And this version of the step family, I also really like the stepsisters, but the mother is much meaner. She's much yes. more like you would expect the stepmother to be. Yes. And this version of the stepsisters, Pat Carroll is one of the stepsisters. I was like, when she showed up, I was, I was like, wait is that ursula <laughs> yes <laughs> she's great i could not i i could not believe it but also i thought look i i want to say this carefully because i think that anybody can play any role like within you know reason or whatever but i was just like these stepsisters are older than most of this cast like it was just they, <laughs> I they were think of that but you're kind of right <laughs> yeah i was like what is happening i was like there's old like they're the same age as their stepmother because there was a lot of makeup there was a lot of lighting and shadowing happening but i was like okay these these women are all the same age the stepsisters <laughs> and the stepmother i'm like this okay sure so i'm trying not to be ageist because again i look we all love sense and sensibility with freaking what's her name dame uh emma thompson like she's an incredible actress but she's also like 15 years older than her character in that movie <laughs> so i look <laughs> we can all pull it off okay but i'm just saying like i it, it did take me off guard for a minute because i was like oh hey they're all the same age <laughs> i think i was probably just too focused on pat carroll because i, I, mean, I love <laughs> pat carroll so i didn't really even think about how old she was <laughs> And then you get in my own little corner. Yes. Before you get about the prince and the ball. Right. She's basically kind of verbally beat up by her family. And then she mm. sings to herself. Yes. Like like I said, this, this step family is, well, the mother specifically is far meaner than in the other version. Agreed. And I, you know, after watching the Julie Andrews one, of course, with her incredible voice, Leslie Ann Warren is not as strong. Let's just say that. That that's another reason why the Julie Andrews one yeah. ranks higher for me. It's not as strong a voice. She's not terrible. I mean, I'm not saying that she's bad. It's yeah. it's it's a nice performance. But after you've seen the other one, you're like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. But it's still, I I I really do enjoy that song just in general, like, mm -hmm. and what it means for the movie and the character and stuff like that. So I do like it. But yeah, as soon as she started singing, I was like, oh, this is not Julie Andrews. Okay, yeah. And then after this, we go back to the palace. And in this version, the ball is his father's idea because he wants his son to produce an heir. Which is so creepy. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I have to remind myself that, yeah, I guess this is probably sort of historically accurate. But in modern thinking, this is yeah, creepy. It is. <laughs> I cannot imagine my parents coming to me and being like, we really need you to start having babies. I'd be like, what? Yeah. Oh, please no, no. yeah like uh, uh, uh. but it, yeah i mean i get it it's part of the storyline it's part of the times and whatever but the way he says it it's just it's creepy he's like i need you to get married and 
produce an heir for this kingdom. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Just gives me the the squicks. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who played the king. I'm sure I wrote it down, but the queen is Ginger Rogers. Oh yeah. And I think you you said before, I kind of expected her to do more. <laughs> Like, I was surprised that somebody like Ginger Rogers was in this. I don't know why that surprised me. I guess that's kind of a good thing for her to do at this time. I mean, it probably was a big movie. So it just seemed like she needed more to do. Yeah, the the king and queen were not very prominent in this movie. And the king was played by Walter Pigeon, who's got like a million movie credits, but they're all older movies. Like, well, not all mm. of them because he was in a lot. But I'm saying the I feel like the bulk of his filmography if you want to call it that, is all old classic black and white movies, which I do not, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't have a lot of experience with those. So I know that he's well known. I just don't know a lot of his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were very underutilized. Like they didn't do a lot. I, later, of course, they find a reason to make her dance. <laughs> I'm like, of course they did. Of course they have to have a reason to have Ginger Rogers dance. But, you know sure but yeah they're they're, they didn't have the get party get ready scene like they just didn't they didn't really have a whole lot to do Mm -hmm. and after this is when we get the prince is giving a ball this is probably my least favorite version of the three it just didn't seem quite as charming and i really missed the second grader i think they had a seventh grader they did the second grader was i liked her so much better in the first version yes i will say that i liked the placement of the song like in the order of the movie the chronological order i like that it you know like they did this they met for a minute you know they had Mm -hmm. this and then they're like hey there's a ball coming and i thought i like that but yes as as far as the number itself no it wasn't as charming as the Mm -hmm. as the other ones and then again we move things along really quickly because right after this you've got the step family is getting ready to go and then you've got (laughs) The, the stepmother's like trying to coach them into what to do, how to talk, <laughs> what to say, and talking about making personal remarks. And <laughs> the, the, her criticisms of her daughters are the one bats her eyes too much and the other has creaking knee, which the creaking knee, not something that she can help, but they act like it. she can. She's like telling her to rub unicorn oil into it. <laughs> uh, it was, <laughs> and they kept doing the sound effect. Every time she would move or it would be this weird cracking sound and it was so funny. And then her her she's like trying to get them to tell her what they will say to the prince and the what are their names? Prunella and Esmeralda, I think. And I think it's Esmeralda played by Barbara Ruick. She's talking about how the prince looks to be intolerable good health. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought she was saying intolerable. Yes. Like one word, <laughs> the way she was saying it. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but, but the stepmother doesn't like this. And then she turns to her other daughter, played by Pat Carroll, and her line that <laughs> she wants to say is, please, your highness, I would like to be your bride. <laughs> I, and yeah. <laughs> it's like, she's real straightforward. <laughs> there you go. Not going to waste any time. <laughs> So they all leave. Then you get a reprise of In My Own Little Corner, and the fairy godmother appears, and Cinderella sees her appear out of nowhere, but she seems, I don't know, she seems less believing in her than Julie Andrews 
and Julia Andrews had no idea that the fairy godmother even had powers. Right. So that uh, I don't know. It it all was kind of weird, and I I don't think I liked this fairy godmother as much as I liked the other one. This one was Celeste Holm, who I didn't recognize. I could not. It it bothered me for about two or three minutes, like when she was first appeared, and I'm like, I know her face, I know her face, and I just kept seeing glimpses of glimpses of somebody. So I finally paused it to look it up on IMDb, and then I finally found it, and I was like, yes, and this is so random. But as soon as I saw it, that's all I can see her now. But she is Ted Danson's mom in Three Men and a Baby, who comes in and he's like, mom, isn't she beautiful? And she's like, yes. He's like, please take care of her. She's like, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, yes, that's exactly where I know her from. And that's pretty much it. It's like, oh, my God, she's the mom. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Well, this version, it's totally different. None of this is Cinderella's idea. This is all the fairy godmother. Right. But the thing that stood out to me the most was when she's like trying to find the coachman. Yeah. And she says that there's a fine fat rat with whiskers and his brother. Yes. Who can be coachman. And she (laughs) says it again later. Later. It's like, that is such a weird line. She's very specific that it's this rat and his brother. And she... (laughs) I was like, okay, how do you know? But sure. She's a fairy godmother. I'm sure she can speak to animals. And she's like, I already know. I already know that's his brother. Yes, it was very specific, which I thought was odd. (laughs) But this one specifically makes note of the glass slippers. Yes. And then this is the first instance where I noticed this fabric. The furry Mm -hmm. fabric with the black fur spikes in it. Yes. And... Just in general, I've, I mean, I get it. Their glass slippers are supposed to be very beautiful and, you know, just unique. I get it. But the thought of actually wearing a shoe made of glass sounds sounds horrible. Horrifying. There's no give. Your feet would probably sweat. Like there's no, you know what I mean? Just, I just think it sounds horrific. And so every time they show these shoes, I'm always like, gross. That's not something I would want to walk around and much less dance, but you know. Now I'm just imagining like somebody doing like a parody of Cinderella, but then in the close up when the prince finds the slipper, it's all like sweaty and greasy. Yes, it would be because you're, I mean, there's no breathability there. It's literal glass. And I'm like, how awful would that be to really have to walk around in these? They don't. Well, no uh, wonder it slipped off. She probably sweated. Exactly. Exactly. We've solved it. For years, I've been like, how does she lose a shoe? But now we've solved it. It's real slippery in there. I get it in Ever After because they're like clogs. Like we're just, there's no like, there's no back on the shoe. It's just a slide on, like a slip on. So I get how she could like be running and slip out. And she's like, whatever, I'm out. But those were like really ornate shoes, like decorated with crystal. So you could call it quote unquote glass. And I get that. But these, every time they show like a real, like not a real, obviously it's not glass, but something that's supposed to mimic glass. I'm like, gross. That's all I can think about is how awful it would be to really wear those. (laughs) It would be. Yeah. So then the godmother sends her away to the ball. You get the transition from the impossible to it's possible with the godmother is like telepathically singing while the coach is like flying through the air with this very stiff animation. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. I lost my mind when that thing started floating across the screen. I was like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> they didn't they did not need to do that they could have no. made it so much better just don't you don't even need to show the outside of the carriage at all just have her singing, no. singing quietly to herself inside the carriage but no it they gotta show enough. the outside and it's flying yeah. through the air while these horses are like creaking their <laughs> legs up and down really stiffly in this weird like automaton way it was yeah. so strange because i'm like it was already bad enough that the back window of the carriage had this weird superimposed like background and she's in the carriage and i'm like okay whatever but then they cut to that and i'm thinking what who thought this was a good idea i know that technology then was not where obviously where you know it is now but i was just like that you're right that was absolutely not necessary we did not need that I suppose it's probably similar to like in the late 90s, early 2000s, when people thought that the CGI then was like cutting edge and amazing. And now we look back at it, it's like, that is awful. Well, I'm like, maybe they ran, like, maybe they didn't have enough footage of her inside the carriage and they're like, we need something to extend the scene for the song. And so they just threw that in there because there's no, it doesn't add anything to this. I'm just, it's just bizarre. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, there was, and there's nothing else like that in the movie either. They don't try to make some sort of weird either puppet or animation, whatever it was. Yeah, they don't try to do that with anything else. It's just nope. this one scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like glowing. It's hard to explain, but it's it's shocking. Like, cause it just comes out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, hey, okay. <laughs> so then we get to the ball, and I started noticing that fabric everywhere yep it's on the king's robe it's on the queen's dress it's on the prince's tunic it's on different people scattered throughout the party it's like somebody bought a roll of this stuff and was like we got to use this fabric up for real <laughs> and i'm gonna tell you when she shows up first of all they reveal her in her outfit and she looks beautiful okay it's you know the dress is stunning mm-hmm. she looks beautiful but i'm like Look at you being a little presumptuous with that little crown on your head. She's like, I'm going to show up wearing a crown. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) And so she shows up and they like have the big reveal of her at the ball. And then I notice the fabric of her dress besides that fur trim is the exact same color and fabric as his, as the prince's entire outfit. And I'm thinking literally my first thought was that you know they say dress for the job you want she wants to be princess she's dressing like it because her outfit matches exactly it's the same fabric and she's like i'm wearing this crown it's all coming together they're just gonna see me and just subliminally be like princess done you did it (laughs) i didn't even think of that but that makes perfect sense right and i just couldn't the the entire time i was just like this girl really did show up in a tiny crown okay good for her i'm like she's like i want this more than anything i've ever wanted in my entire life and i'm going to just manifest it through this outfit i guess even though this version of the fairy godmother didn't seem to be manipulating things as much as the other one (laughs) in her own way i guess maybe she was she did (laughs) yes she her, sent her, her in there just more subliminal yeah but i really did i really liked the outfit a lot like i despite the fur which i again i thought the little black dots were weird because i thought they looked like raisins and i was well, like I this thought, is strange i was thinking of them as black dots like the first time i watched it then i watched it a second time and i was like wait a minute are those things like sticking out of the fabric and they it were, was like, weird tiny little feathers or something yes like sticking they were longer than the the fur of the the white part right. of the fur it was just a right. weird design choice 
exactly. And then when they cut to the king and queen, they, I noticed, I immediately noticed that they both had that same trim as well. And uh-huh. that's when I was like, th- so she's like doing it. She's like, yes, I'm going to look, I'm dressing just like them. I didn't even think of it as like a narrative choice. I just thought of it as the person who made the costumes. It's like, I need to use this stuff up. Yeah. I just, uh, the fact that her main dress is the exact same fabric as his like tunic or whatever, because he's wearing leggings, like tights Uh or something, because, you know, the dance. But I just, I was like, okay, well, now there's no question whatsoever if they're going to end up together or not, because they're literally wearing (laughs) matching outfits. Yeah. It worked. I thought they looked nice together. I thought yeah. it was cute. Well, right before she arrives, you have the scene of him talking to her stepsisters. And <laughs> you have the the first one, Esmeralda, coming up. Your Highness, may I say something personal? Wonderful weather we're having this time of year. <laughs> he's like, you really yeah. shouldn't mix it personal remarks, you know. <laughs> she gets so embarrassed. Like, he's, like, really chastising her. He was so... Um, like sarcastic. I loved it. And then you've got Prunella, Pat Carroll, <laughs> coming up with her creaky knee, <laughs> and he—he he seemed kind of rude to her about the creaky yes, knee. Yes, he like, was. This is a specifically horrible thing about her. Like, I—I yes. I literally I didn't even notice the sound effect until the second time I watched it. <laughs> So, so yeah. to me, it was like he's being real picky. Yeah, <laughs> he was kind of mean. <laughs> and then you've got her mother coming up, trying to talk her up to him, <laughs> and he he dismisses her again. And then she she switches to talking about Esmeralda, and you pan over to her. She's like looking to, through her fan with two eyes, with two eyes cut out. <laughs> I died. Yeah, that was the funniest part of this whole thing. <laughs> I died laughing. It made no sense, and yet I loved it. It was but I so loved it. <laughs> it was so random and so unexpected, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, did that really happen? Yes, it did. Oh, so bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, after that, the prince wants to get out of there, but that's when Cinderella comes in, and the entire ball just stops for her. Oh yeah. And then they do their dance, and he feels like he recognizes her, but he doesn't know where. Right. And then you get the 10 minutes ago song, and then again, the stepsisters lament, which is hilarious, no matter who's singing it. <laughs> and then this is where you get the king and queen dance, because you got to have Ginger Rogers dance. And yes. And you get a reprise of 10 minutes ago with them. Which I thought was strange, because all this effort to, I mean, again, I was just like, okay, they're going to do something at some point where she has to dance, and sure enough during the ball they make everybody move and you know the queen says to the king something to the effect of well i think the prince is happy now he was saying he was tired earlier but now look at all his energy he's with her i think he's found the one and the king's like really yes we should celebrate that means we should dance i'm like of course they're gonna make ginger rogers dance and they bring them out and it's the most like mundane barely there dance and then the rest of the crowd fills in and i'm like she had a like it was just her for maybe like 15 seconds and then every and i'm like well that was kind of a waste i thought they were gonna have her do like something really like grand and like big elaborate like ballroom scene but no they were like here we're just gonna do like a standard waltz and then everybody's gonna fill in and that's it okay maybe they just wanted her for the name on the poster i i feel like that's all it was it was just the the name draw and i'm like okay well sure 
Well, after all this, it's 15 minutes to midnight and she tells him that she needs to leave. I'm not sure how long she was there because we didn't see, but I'm sure that this one was not 25 minutes. Right. Thankfully. (laughs) But then they have the Do I Love You song. And then at the end of that song, the clock begins to strike. So apparently they sang this song for 15 whole minutes. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So then she runs out. And I liked that she changed back before she fully leaves the castle. That doesn't always yes. happen. I thought I liked that touch. Yes, because she has that moment where she stops and she looks down. She's like, oh, she's back in her rags, which are it's funny because I'm like, those rags are nicer than my because I don't wear a lot of dresses. <laughs> and I'm like, that's actually nicer than what I own. But sure. Um, but they do. They kiss right in, during the. I think the, they kiss during the last song. The Do I, Love I feel song? like they kiss twice. But either way, yeah, they kiss and then she runs out. And of course, she leaves her shoe, which in each one of these, the way that they find the shoe has always cracked me up because it's not like they stumble upon it, like they're running and they're not paying attention. And they're like, what? And they look down. They're just looking out like dreamily. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, a shoe. They just no, there's no reason for them to look down. Mm-hmm. It's not natural. It never is. Like it's just like they know the stage direction is after you look out longingly because you can't see her look down into your left. But I'm always like, what would make them look down? Like I just I don't know. It's just it's always seemed very staged for lack of a better term. <laughs> Cause I would think at some point they would like be running out and maybe like knock it like run into it you know what i mean and be like what and look now down and be like oh like shoot a comedy version where he trips and then falls yeah, down the that's stairs, what i'm saying like something like <laughs> you're like whoa but they're just <laughs> a, when they ever get to that part i'm like okay how natural is this gonna be not natural at all okay moving on <laughs> and then after this it, it feels very weird to me because it seems like they are telepathically communicating. I don't know that that's specifically what they're thinking of this scene as like, but it's like they can hear each other because there's like at least one, if not two different songs where they're singing together and they seem to hear each other, but they're across the kingdom. Like he's in the castle, she's back home. I don't know. It seemed like a weird choice the way they set those scenes. Yeah, now that you say that, yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right, it is weird. It's very Jane Eyre, like, calling across the moors and, yeah, hearing each other. It's weird. But then the step family gets home, and they tell her about the ball, and that leads to the When You're Driving Through the Moonlight song. Right. But then then they split that up. This, this version, you can tell it's two different songs, more so than the other versions, because they go to bed, and that's when Cinderella sings A Lovely Night. Yes, by herself in this version she's dancing around the garden alone and then back at the castle the king is now acting like he doesn't want to like he wanted an heir but now he's acting like he doesn't want to find this mysterious woman because she disappeared without a trace (laughs) like okay (laughs) whatever he's like you had your chance done talking about like how she could be bewitched or something like that yeah that was strange yeah and this is where you get another song where they seem to be telepathically singing together. And after this, he vows to search the entire kingdom for her. And then you get the foot montage. Of course. And he arrives at her home and the stepmother sends her out to the garden until he's gone. And then I like that you have the scene with, that, with the, the stepsisters trying to try on the shoe, like wincing. And, and then grunting, the stepmother wants yes. to try it on as well. <laughs> and and then, they, like, deny her. Are there any other young 
maidens in the house. <laughs> it's so harsh. <laughs> the look she gives him, like, <laughs> and then Cinderella is outside, like crying to herself. And she, this is again where she has no agency for herself, which kind of put me off her a little bit. But then the fairy godmother appears and suggests that she bring him some water. And now he recognizes her. He recognizes yes. her both from the beginning of the movie as well as from the ball. A full circle moment. We love to see it. Yes. Yes. But he puts the shoe on just to make sure. Of course. And then the fairy godmother transforms her on the spot and no one questions it. Into the exact same outfit. And I'm like, yes. do you not have any other clothes? Like you couldn't <laughs> give her something else? We had to get our money's worth out of this fluffy, spiky fabric. Yes. <laughs> It was, that was I thought that was strange, but you know what? Again, I thought she looked cute in that outfit, so sure. But I think doesn't he end up in his outfit too, like his matching outfit, just randomly. I I, I just I remember know. being like, oh, there they are together again in their matching outfits. But maybe that's later, like when they go to meet. Now I want to check. Yeah, I don't remember. Nope, he's still in his brown suit at, when she's transformed, so it's not, okay. he didn't change in that scene. Okay. But when they get back to town, he is. See? So maybe he changed on the way. I know, I'm like, <laughs> when did he change? Okay, because I'm like, I know he shows up at his parents, like the king and queen, in that outfit, in that ball outfit. I Well, I'm actually kind of confused about the end now, because I, I didn't think about the fact that he's in different clothes so is this a different day like are they married because i made specific note of the fact that they don't have a wedding scene so maybe yeah. this is after they're married and again does she not have any other clothes i don't know that's, i just that's a good feel question like at some point either the fairy godmother or the royal family probably being very wealthy could throw her another outfit or something but i don't know they're like all they're all wearing the same clothes from the ball like that episode of seinfeld where he goes out with that woman that only has one dress <laughs> but that's neither here nor there but yeah so it was it i don't know i i feel like originally i thought that they left and went straight to the king and queen but you're right it is weird and maybe there's this whole wedding scene that we didn't get and that's either a day or a few days later that he takes her which that would be weird too like why i feel like at that time period they wouldn't just go off and get married on their own and then present themselves to his parents. Well, plus the fact that the step family is following them on foot. Oh, yeah. Which that's why that's why I also thought that this was right after the scene when she's discovered because they go back. Like, why would the step family like if this is after their wedding? I mean, I suppose you got to invite the step family to the wedding, whatever customs, whatever. I don't know, <laughs> but that's still. All the whole ending confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the way they greet each other. It's all silent, but they're all kissing each other. It's yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't say, "Great, you'll give us an air." <laughs> <laughs> He's probably thinking it. <laughs> probably. But yeah, if that is after the wedding, I guess this version does not have the step family being ostracized as well which this version of the family deserves to be ostracized more than the Julie Andrews version. Again, well, I want a vindictive Cinderella. <laughs> well, she did make them, like, depending on how far they had to march, they were on foot. So she made them walk, at least. They didn't get horses. That's true. <laughs> a tiny punishment for years of neglect. <laughs> I'm like, kick them out of the kingdom altogether. They don't belong there. 
But yeah, that this also ends with the fairy godmother appearing, saying impossible things are happening every day. And yeah, everybody goes into the castle. You don't see a wedding, and that's the end. Yeah, that's it. No wedding. They didn't have the budget. I guess not, since they kept reusing outfits. <laughs> they blew their extra budget on that animation of the horses flying for real (laughs) just so unnecessary (laughs) yeah like i said the brandy one is still my favorite and julie andrews comes in not close second but a pretty good second yeah i the only reason number the only reason the leslie and warren version is ahead of it is because of the prince (laughs) my huge crush on him now yes He's no longer alive in real life, but in that moment in this movie, yes. He's alive so, in your heart. <laughs> yes, he is. Thank you. He is. And and if I had to wear glass shoes for anybody, it would be for him. <laughs> but so that gets an automatic upgrade above <laughs> Julie Andrews. Sorry, Julie. I still love you. Well, at least you already said that you like her performance as cinderella better so oh absolutely there's no there's no comparison no offense to leslie and warren she's great but come on it's julie andrews there's there's no comparison yeah she's great well we finally made it through all the three versions of this we have I'm, i've kind of been wondering like it's been long enough i'm wondering when they're going to make another version because it seems like every few years with certain stories like every few years they've got to do another version yeah yes so i wonder who will they cast in the next version you know what i'm concerned about though well it might work in this case because we have brought up a lot of things that would be funny would be great to see with a comedic bent but it seems that the tradition now like if you look at like that emma and then that persuasion for that awful persuasion on netflix where it's this very tongue-in-cheek, almost like Wes Anderson-style version of these costume dramas. I didn't see that, but I I think I remember Rachel hating that one. Oh, it was abysmal. Yeah. Persuasion is my favorite Jane Austen book ever, and to see it treated like that, I was mortified. Anyways, um, you know, and so I'm like, I wonder if somebody would do something like that sort of a treatment to it, which, again, might be funny because there's a lot of moments in there where they're so out there that that might work better as a comedy <laughs> and i feel like i i mean i haven't watched too many recent cinder specifically cinderellas but like the trend at least for remakes it seems like and maybe this is maybe i'm just too thinking too much about the disney remakes but like it seems like they're going more serious oh yeah like if you think about the last few like this doesn't have to be specifically Disney, even though Disney made the last one, but like the last few Disney remakes, it's like even the ones I've liked, like I liked the Cinderella one and I liked the little mermaid, but they're so serious. Mm. And like, they, there's no comedy. I mean, there was a little comedy, in little mermaid, I guess like Aquafina was there. She's funny, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's more serious. And I guess that would be my worry is that they would try and make the, make it too serious. But right. this Roger and Hammerstein one doesn't need to be serious. Yeah, like a, a dark Cinderella. Like, we don't need that. But I mean, you know what? I'm open to anything. Because honestly, at this point, this whole project series has really opened my eyes. And I'm down a rabbit hole now. I'm like, I want to <laughs> see more. And what I really would love to do is see it on stage. 
Yes. I almost had the chance to see it on stage. I'm annoyed that it didn't work out. But like last month, I actually was in Utah and I was visiting Rachel. But some, there was a, con- a confliction. She she had a ticket to go and see it because she was reviewing it. And I wasn't able to go with her. And now I'm annoyed. Like I, I would have been so neat to see on the stage, like an actual stage version of this. I wish it would have worked out. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I mean, I kind of feel like at some point it should pop up again in New York City at some point, right? I mean. Well, yeah, but that's New York. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. So, Oh, I know. I mean, but for me, I'm like, I'm only two hours away. I can do that. Like, come on, someone in New York, do it. <laughs> oh, I could go. Yeah, but that's that's my next, like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep watching these because now, like I said, I'm obsessed. I'm going down the rabbit hole. But if there's an opportunity to see it on stage, that's going to be my ultimate. Like, yes, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, this would be a great one to see on stage. Well, I guess that will probably be all for this episode, but I think we might do another Cinderella version later on. I know, because going down this rabbit hole, we're finding ones that we never knew about. And so, yes, there could be more. Yeah, there are so many versions of Cinderella. I almost want to do more of these next year, because like, there's so many more that I would like to do eventually, and I almost don't want to (laughs) stop. Yeah, there's there's one. There's one with Jerry Lewis called Cinderfella. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's a childhood memory right there. That unlocked like a whole host of memories because that is something that my parents made me watch when I was a kid. We should do that one then too, because I want to see that one. It's been on my list forever since I discovered it was a thing. I was like, I need to see whatever this is. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's been a million years since I've seen it, but it's one of the ones that my parents, like it was like that one and (sighs) Darby O'Gill and the little people, like there was just some random like I haven't movies. seen that, but I've got it on a collection of Disney movies somewhere. I need and to watch that. The Incredible Mr. Limpet with Don Nas. Like, these are movies that my parents are like, oh, you're watching. That these. I actually have yes. watched. I watched that when I was a kid, and then I almost completely forgot about it. And then I saw somebody made a video about it online. I was like, oh, I remember that movie when I was a kid. I'll watch their video and see it. That movie looks bizarre and i already made plans <laughs> to do that one with my friend nikki trivial theater because it was like this movie is insane and i need to talk about this with somebody so eventually we're going to do that one as well probably not this year but that movie i forgot i, I childhood me probably didn't even realize what i was watching it was so weird <laughs> yeah so i mean when you said that i'm like oh my gosh that just unlocked like core memories of a kid and all the movies that my parents used to like make us watch like on you know weekends and because we <laughs> my dad would get out the old vhs recorder and you know do the whole buy blank vhs and then record three movies on him because he would use the absolute quickest speed for the lowest quality so he could get <laughs> the most movies on one tape and we actually had a whole library and each cassette had like three movies on it. And then they were all coded. And then he had a notebook with all the codes. So if you needed to find one, you could, it was a whole, like a, our own Dewey decimal system. And that was, those were the ones that we had, re- like some of the ones we had recorded. And yes, we had to watch them a lot. Yeah. So I'm very down to watch Cinderfella. Yes. Okay. Well, we will definitely have to make plans for that in the future. Well, until then, do you want to let people know where they can find you if they like more from you? Sure. You can find me on mainly Instagram at which was better. And I cover 
uh, sometimes podcasts covering books and their movie adaptations, and then just, you know, book reviews and pictures of my dogs and stuff. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, until we talk about another Cinderella, (laughs) we'll see you then. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies Podcast Network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>